Hey y'all, I'm Justin Mitchell, and this is Out Here in America. It's a new show from the Sun-Herald in Biloxi, Mississippi, and its parent company, McClatchy. We're wrapping up our first season at perhaps the oldest gay bar in Mississippi. In the Deep South, gay bars are more than watering holes and happy hour hotspots. They're safe spaces for LGBTQ people in small towns, where the simple act of holding hands with your partner in public or kissing after dinner is not okay. That's the reason Lynn Koval opened her own bar in 1996 on Mississippi's Gulf Coast. The name of that gay bar? Sanctuary. Because Sanctuary meant safe haven, safe refuge, and it was so needed. It, it was needed. Today, Sanctuary is closed, but Lynn has since opened another gay bar called Just Us. Talking with Lynn in the Smoky Dive Bar was more than just an interview. It was a return to my own safe space. In the town I called home, Just Us was the first place where I could be myself. It's where I went on my first same-sex date, where I saw my first ever drag show, and where I made too many memories to count. But Lynn worries if gay bars are still relevant, and if Generation Z will remember why they even exist in the first place. Stay tuned for Lynn's story about a place where we all can feel welcome, whether you're gay or not, on Out Here in America. I've always believed that there is a difference between owning a bar and owning a gay bar. Whether the owners want to admit it or not, but when they open a gay bar, they own and serve a movement. They own and serve a community to which they are forever connected to. I would like to see more gay bar owners rise to that because it's there. Whether they like it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, it is there. You know, it's a splitting of hair of sorts and everybody, you know, says, oh, all the bars need to get along. Well, the community needs, needs to get along. I think it's brilliant. I don't know that you're aware of this, but the woman named Sean that owns Club Exclusive, you know, I've had a long talk with her. I respect the hell out of her. And, and she's brilliant in what she's doing. And I understand what she's doing. She is holding an unapologetic black pride. And that alone is brilliant. But it is her life that she has lived that's telling her the African-American community, gay or straight, are not getting along within themselves. You know, she wants to bring her community together. You know, it's the way that she put it to me. And she wants to get them to stop fighting and to work together. And she feels that if she can gain that and if she can achieve that, then we should all be able to come together at that point. But she doesn't feel that we can until that's achieved, you know? Me, I have a little different philosophy. I say put us all in the same room, lock the doors, you know? Somebody's gonna love somebody before it's said and done. You think I'm wrong for that, to feel that a gay bar owner has a higher purpose? 
Is that wrong of me? I don't think so. I think that when you open a bar that's catered to people who have been hurt for so long, you're more than just a business owner. You're a therapist and you're an activist. And I bartend on the side too, and sometimes I think to myself, you should go to a gay bar and listen to what some people deal with. Some of the kids that I've interviewed for this series who almost were poisoned in high school, someone put cleaner and get kids root beer once, and it puts things into a lot of perspective. I think we're all more alike than we are different. What made you want to open a gay bar in the 90s? Well, it was like this. We were getting the hell beat out of us, and we were whooping some ass, you know? I mean, that is just the plain truth of it all. And it became to a point to where I had a lot of gay friends, but most of my friends were straight. I worked in nothing but straight bars. The name of the game was to, you know, pull a queer in through the front door and beat the hell out of them before, you know, anybody got caught and let them go. And I would say, yes, but guys, you know, I'm gay. And he said, oh, yeah, but that's you. You're Lynn, you know. So, you know, that's where it all began. And I just noticed the warlike situation that we were in. And as a lesbian, I didn't feel that I had to put myself in harm's way to hear a band. Why should I have to put myself in harm's way to hear a comedian? Or to be with someone of my own like-mindedness. And why the name Sanctuary? Because Sanctuary meant safe haven, safe refuge. And it was so needed. It, it was needed. You know, you know that you're doing the right thing. You know that you are gaining the attention and you are pushing the right buttons that when I come to my bar and I have three hanging nooses at my door, then I think we're on the right track. I cut them down and went down to the corner where the cops hung out and I told them, I said, maybe I need to make a report or something. I don't know if, you know, what if something happens, you know, can it be tied back to this incident? And I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, they basically said they didn't know what they'd file it under. And I just said, hangman nooses in the state of Mississippi? Okay, thank you for your time, sir. <laughs> and I picked up the nooses and went back to my bar. So you showed up one day and had nooses on your bar? Oh door? yeah, oh yeah. I don't know that I ever intentionally went to open up a bar, but that's all I knew was alcohol. And I knew that a change needed to happen. And I knew I had people in my ear. They wanted to be more, do more, and be more. But there was nothing in the community that was enabling them to rise to that. So uh, I opened up Sanctuary, opened up a bar, because that's all I knew. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen, guys, but I'll tell you what I said, quote, unquote, if a Mazel Tov cocktail doesn't come through the front door, we'll be here 20 plus years. The only thing that I could be a part of helping them with and doing for them is I promised that we'd all sleep good at night. We picked up each other's convictions and just started doing random acts of kindness, partying, having a good time together, and being a family. And it's been a hell of a ride. You know, if I'd have known the donut business, probably would have been a big gay donut movement on the coast. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> Why cover up those windows in the front of the bar? Well, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but if you go to the front of the building and you study those windows, you're gonna see bullet holes. 
I didn't say we didn't have any problems. I just said we didn't see them as problems. We saw them as situations that need to be rectified. We didn't have time nor the patience in our life to be deterred. It just wasn't gonna happen. That's when those walls went up. When people came in your bar in the 90s, what did they say about come walking in the doors? How did it make them feel? What did they tell you? I think it was an exhale for everybody. You know, uh, it enabled the straight community to proudly walk through a door of a place that they do not feel to be put in a position with a judgment. I think we were able to strip away the peer pressure. I think everybody had their own reasons for coming to the sanctuary but it was certainly an XL of sorts for all of them. When I was in college, there were just tons of people in here. There was a DJ and it was just, it was so packed and vibrant and there were young people and old people and there was just this mix of people and I had cousins who were straight and coming here at six o'clock in the morning when they got off work at the casino to have a drink and they were service industry. But you know, when I moved back, I noticed that the more that we came, the less that people were in here. How has it changed over the last 20 years for you? I've always felt and always been on the mindset that the gay community here on this Gulf Coast has been in regression for many years. It was so bustling that the Bay St. Louis was known as the Gay Bay. And I know this because I know this from firsthand knowledge. I remember back in my days, you know, the bars. It was nothing for the politicians to do a mock dragathon um, to raise money for their campaigns. And when you have an environment like that, and then you see where it's at today, you have to ask yourself why. And you know, my only thing that I could ever come up with was when HIV popped its ugly head up, that's where we started our decline. And I think across America, but certainly here on the coast. And it's been a fight. It's been a fight to get back. We were so determined in our movement here on the coast that we never once gave it a thought of what is life like after it. We never thought about that. Maybe we thought that we wouldn't achieve it in our lifetime, but we did. And that now you have the question of, are gay bars relevant? Are they needed? I say yes. You say in the 50s and 60s it was very vibrant, and then everything went away. And in this past year, something has shifted again. Mm -hmm. Because more of my friends are going back to gay bars again. Because when I first moved here five years ago, everyone was just talking to each other, and it was like this great culture of people mixing and mingling and sitting at the bar together. And then fast forward, and everyone's literally sitting in the bar on their phones, and they're talking to people in the bar from gay apps on their phones. It was like the perfect storm that happened. I mean, really, think about it. I mean, you know, how do you solve the millennials? How do you cater to two generations now that we feel disconnected from? You know, that we never did get to know. And you know, how do you compete with a virtual society? The line went away. We're in awe of it. We're exhaling. My friends and I, you know, we're older, we're tired. We wanted to hand the baton off, but we didn't know the community to hand it off to because no one, like you said, was coming out. We weren't seeing the young gay and lesbian community, you know? It worried me. I pushed for pride this year 
for many reasons. You know, the biggest one was that, I mean, let's face it, when Trump made office, it put the fear back into the, the idea of it all. These kids were feeling fear for the first time and had never been touched. Why? Because we worked so hard to make sure they were never touched. And they're seeing that line being redrawn for themselves. And there's, they're, they're feeling fear and they don't know what to do with it. And if you're scared, where do you go? You go to a safe haven, you go to a safe refuge, you go to like-minded, you go to numbers, and you go to where you feel safe. So yes, sadly enough, Trump making office, someone could pose the case that made gay bars relevant again, you know, for the safety of it all. But I had minorities, straight minorities in here that voiced very real fear that they have, you know? So they're coming to us. I have very big worries. It's kind of for us, because we just now got to the point to where we quit putting our backs to the bars. You know, we just now started getting that comfortable. And then Trump takes office and we find that we're looking at the doors again. Rightfully so. In your 21 years as being an owner of a gay bar in Biloxi, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I'm proud of my family. Everybody that came together, that walked through my doors, that knew if they bought a beer here that it meant more than just having a beer. That they knew that it was going toward a conviction, whether it was theirs or ours or the person sitting next to them. I'm very proud of the community that shopped here, that slept here, that ate here that allowed us to be there for them in reference to education and medication. I'm proud of the community for trusting us to take care of them. Because you're not really just a gay bar. I never have been. You know, I've always ran this place and ran my life on this basis. I do not need to know what you need. I need to know that you need. And we go from there, okay? We have, we have taken homeless families off the street within 70, two hours housed them, got them a job. You know, we've done a lot of great random acts of kindness. You know, we want people to see the upside down triangle. We want people to see the rainbow and think safe haven, safe refuge, there's help there, there's education, there's medication, there's family. It needs to stand for something. Yeah, because whether I have sex for the rest of my life or not, I'm going to die a lesbian. So it's got to stand for more than what I did in my bedroom in the 20s, right? In my 20s, not in the 20s. <laughs> do you feel gay bars are still relevant? I do, especially kind of like you said, when the lines have been a little more drawn. And, you know, I talked to Jeffrey, who owns Six recently, and, and he was telling me, you know, well, on Friday, I'm going to Black Pride in two weeks, and then Saturday, I'm doing the Swigs and Wine, and we're doing this, and we're, and we're having a booth at Pride that Lynn's hosting, and, and you hosted Pride and had this RuPaul's Drag Race contestant here, and I saw the pictures, and hundreds of people 
came and then first pride 800 plus people we we felt came through there I mean the, the hairs <laughs> on my arms are raising right now because I didn't really ever think that I would see that yeah it was incredible and there's so many people lined up next year is just going to be crazy you know and I remember them telling me oh Lynn you've you're officially arrived you're being boycotted I went what you know, and there was two people out there, you know, <laughs> with the religious side of it. And I told that one guy, I said, well, I don't, I don't know if I should be offended. I said, man, you think two of you is enough to worry about all of our souls? I mean, only two of y'all are worried about all of our souls? And we were like 800 plus. I'm like, I don't know if I should worry about that, <laughs> you know? But it was all pleasant, not one problem. And the best thing that came out of Pride was the kids. Man, I cried. I couldn't tell you how many times I teared up. Just seeing the kids and talking to them, they're fabulous, you know? They showed up with pre-made signs just in case we got boycotted. You know, they came with a voice. They have a voice. We just didn't know it, you know? But we provided a day that gave them cause to put their phones down. And they have a voice. I think that a lot of young people are like, well, why do I need to go to a gay bar when I can go to wherever and have a cocktail? But you're not learning anything about yourself or the history of something that defines you if you're going to just a regular bar. And there's a reason why it's dark and it's seedy and it's kind of a dive and there's smoke and they're a mix of people. Like, who cares if they're old or young? Like, sit at the bar and listen to what they tell you. And I think that we're always going to need a safe space. We're a community that happens to be one huge family. Diverse as it is, we are one huge family. And family has tradition, you know? And we traditionally should be always communicating with each other, if not for anything else other than for the education of it all. I can't imagine being a young gay and lesbian today having to answer some of the direct questions, you know, because when I was, you know, people, they'd yell faggot, you know, you know, dyke, and, you know, that was about the communication we were getting, right? That's, that's what our communication was all about. But today is so more open that the young gay and lesbian community are being hit, like, even at the age of 14, with intellectual conversation and questions. The community, the heterosexual community as a whole, want to embrace. They want to learn. They don't want to be in fear, and they want to educate themselves. And the only way they can do that is to ask, right? The only way they can do that is to have the educated conversation. But if we don't educate our young gay and lesbians, then they can't have the educated conversation. And the education is this. Stand. Stand proud. Stand proud to know that your place is in history. Your place has always been just as Genesis from the beginning. You know, we didn't, we didn't just appear one day in society. We have always been. And be proud of that, you know, and understand that our symbols are not just some flippant thing that some interior designer thought just would be really great back in the 60s. Let's use the upside down triangles. Let's use the color pink. No, know your history. You know, we were branded these symbols in the concentration camps. How much more serious can that get, you know? 
And by using those symbols, we've stripped the pain from them, stripped the darkness and brought the light to them. It's from a very dark place these symbols come from. It's not because, you know, some little gay boy liked ponies that had rainbows coming out of You know, the rainbow has to do with, you know, a political rally that almost got rained out and there was a fear and a very good founded fear because that was the first political rally that we had true, you know, congressmen and political clout were going to attend and speak at. The event was going to be rained out and the rain came, but it stopped. And when it stopped, a huge rainbow came over the field. You know, if we don't educate or find a way to get to the young and gay and lesbian community to hand down the stories of old, then they can't have the educated conversation. Because if you want to make your mark in history, you didn't know where you came from. How can you do that if you're not going to a gay bar? Exactly. That is where it all happens. And if these owners just go for profit and not go to educate and medicate, then you may very well have an entire city that stays... I can't say ignorant because we have the computer. But hey, if it's on Facebook, it must be true. You know, but I do believe that at this point in time, I'm probably considered the oldest running gay bar in the entire state of Mississippi. Kind of teared up. It's nostalgia, you know. It's just me dying. You know? <laughs> All my peeps, you know. Damn. <laughs> But I was a young kid in this game. You know, I was 27 when I opened up. Do you think Just Us will be here for another 20 years? Uh, if I have anything to do with it. I've been through a lot of depression, you know. I've noticed the bars empty out. It's hard to feel not relevant anymore, you know. And then, and then I'm having to put up with the fact that I'm getting older, you know. You know, I'm not old, but just getting older, you know. You know, so I'm having to feel that. Do you ever think that the paintings will be removed and you'll let the sun shine in again? Will I ever let the sun come in? Yeah. I hope I do. I hope I can get to that point. I mean, like I said, we thought we were there. But then again, you know, just when you think it was safe to come out of the water, you know, or, or go into the water, you know. I was fast to the mind that maybe it's time, you know, maybe it's time to let the sun in, which you don't want to do on a 24-hour bar anyway. But maybe it's time, you know. I thought, you know, Trump is really given the stamp of approval to say whatever you want to say. And now that Trump is uh, who he is and where he is, those walls stay up. They have to. I don't know how this is all going to, you know, work out. I do know that pride showed me a lot. I do know that pride gave me hope again. And we brought it this far, but, you know, there's so much more to go. I was very worried. And we're tired. I'm tired. Um, but, wow, all those kids at pride gave me hope. And I'm actually looking forward to the future.
Thanks to Lynn Koval for sitting down with me, and Amanda McCoy, Jordan Marie Smith, and Davin Coburn for producing Out Here in America. And thanks to Jason Shaw for letting us use his music. We're hard at work on season two of Out Here in America, but if you'd like to catch up on season one, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. In the meantime, we'll see y'all soon on Out Here in America. Mm-hmm.